Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. You know, I'm excited for the weekend. Yeah, me too, man. All right. Today, we're going to be analyzing the AFC South. Let's start off by talking about a team that has quietly set themselves up for a solid season, the Indianapolis Colts. Trent, how do you feel about the moves Indy made this offseason? I like what they did. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, they went out and got their new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. They signed him to a one-year, $25 million deal. I think it's about the right move, saying Rivers is 38. He's getting up there in age, so a one-year deal is probably smart on their end. He had a solid year, solid year last year for the Chargers. Put up 4,600 yards and 23 touchdowns. And I think the Colts hope he puts up similar numbers uh, this season, maybe even stronger, saying he'll have um, more weapons in the offense. And then having said that, they went out in the draft and they, they gave him some weapons to work with. Starting with Michael Pittman out of USC, wide receiver they took with a 34th overall pick. Put up some great numbers at USC his senior season. Went for almost 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. And he also had 101 catches, which is a lot uh, for a wide, college wide receiver. Uh, he's 6'4", good size, and I think he'll slide right on this offense well. Uh, they also went out and got Jonathan Taylor. I mean, a Heisman candidate for, for a couple of years there at Wisconsin. Uh, he, he put up some big numbers, having almost 1,000 carries over his college career. So he can handle a workload. And I see him making a pretty pretty quick impact on this Colts team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to touch on the three guys that you mentioned, Phillip Rivers is obviously a very consistent quarterback. He usually hangs around 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns per year. Had a bit of a down year last season, threw 23 touchdowns, as you mentioned. But he also threw 20 picks, which is by far the worst touchdown to interception ratio of his career. But like you said, I think you can chalk that up to uh, him not having the weapons that he was really used to the last couple of years. Obviously, Melvin Gordon held out for most of the year. Keenan Allen was really the only reliable pass catcher on that team. He had to deal with a rookie Hunter Henry and an often injured Mike Williams. So now he is moving to a team with a couple more weapons for him to work with in Indianapolis. I think that he's going to have a pretty good year. And then Michael Pittman. I mean, as you said, I think this was a great pickup for the Colts. He's a big receiver. He's 6'4", but he plays like he's even bigger. He can really bully defenders in 1v1 situations in the air. He's got great hands. He led the Trojans in all major receiving categories over the last two seasons. He's going to be a good app for them down the road. And then Jonathan Taylor, I don't know how much more you can say about him other than the fact that he's had over 6,000 rushing yards in in his three-year career at Wisconsin on 926 total carries. There is absolutely no durability concerns with this guy. He is an elite workhorse, one of the best and most polished running back prospects I've seen coming out of college. I think that he's going to have to deal with Marlon Mack for about a year, but I expect Mack to be gone after this year, and Taylor's really going to take over as this workhorse back. And then moving to the defensive side of the ball, they made a big splash by going out and trading for DeForest Buckner from the 49ers. Obviously, a defensive tackle. They traded a 2020 first-rounder for him and then signed him to a four-year extension. He's going to be a cornerstone on the defensive side of the ball for them. And then another uh, underrated offseason pickup they made was bringing in Xavier Rhodes, who the Vikings uh, cut. You know, Rhodes, I hated on him a couple of uh, a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about the Vikings 
because he earned his nickname Rhodes Close, but the roads have been open for the last couple of years. He's looked like he's been uh, a little washed out there, but he's hoping to revive his career in Indianapolis. I like that they gave him a chance, and overall, I like what the Colts did this offseason. Yeah, I think Rhodes really just needed a second chance. He used to be, I mean, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So saying that he got um, dropped by the Vikings – I think it just wasn't clicking for him there. I think he still has the skill. I still think he's elite at his position. I hope he can put it together with the Colts. Absolutely. So, Trent, what do you think the ceiling is for this Colts team? How are they going to do this year? You know, I don't think they're going to do as well uh, as many people predict. I see them being below 500, roughly a seven-win team. They're not in the most challenging division. Um, I just think that Rivers is going to end up being filtered in quickly and filtered back out, and they're still going to have this young core with some of the offensive weapons they they drafted, and it's going to take a few years for everyone to really work in the system. But if they can draft a quarterback in the next couple of years that works well with some of these younger targets, I think that's when they start seeing you know, some playoff runs again. Um, but for now, I see them, their ceiling being about 500. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. The last year, they did finish a 7-9, and looking at the roster, this is obviously a more talented team. But like you said, it is all about chemistry. Phillip Rivers he hasn't played with this guy, these guys for his entire career. He's been in L.A. Uh, for the last, I don't even know how many years it's been so long. Um, so he's going to have to adjust to a new situation, playing with new guys. T.Y. Hilton is going to have to be a reliable target for him if he can stay on the field. I think they could finish as a 500 team, but like you said, I do expect Rivers, this probably is going to be his only year, uh, especially if they don't make the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs and make a surprisingly deep run, I could see him coming back for one more year, but I do like what you said about him being filtered in and filtered out pretty quickly. And then the quarterback situation in the future for them, they did draft Jacob Eason sorry, out of Washington, and he's got some uh, character concerns, I know, but he's got a big arm. He's definitely got some talent. And then Jacoby Brissett can hold him over for a couple of years. So I do like how this Colts team is set up for the future, but they're not going to be a real contender for the next couple of years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. All right, Trent. So moving on to the fantasy side of this Indianapolis Colts team, who do you like? You know, compared to how he finished last year, I'm a big fan of T.Y. Hilton. I think he's getting an upgrade at quarterback with Rivers. Rivers seemed to work really well with the guys like Keenan Allen uh, when he was playing with the Chargers. And I think Hilton's going to be put in a similar situation. He's a trusty veteran uh, receiver who gets a lot of yards. He's historically had some pretty good seasons. Last year was a big drop-off. He also missed a few games. But he just wasn't as consistent as he used to be. I think he's going to find himself getting back into you know his old ways, maybe being a top 20 wide receiver, top 25 wide receiver this year no longer in the 50s as he was this past season. Um, I'm also a big fan of Jonathan Taylor. Even though he's a rookie, I could see him taking this starting job by, I don't know, week seven, week eight, and really starting to get those uh, like work workhorse touches as he did in college. Um, so I'm a fan of, of drafting Taylor in um, PPR, standard, and, and especially Dynasty League. I think down the line, um, he's going to have a job here with the Colts. Yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced that Taylor is going to be as much of a fantasy asset 
this year as some other people are. I think dynasty-wise, he's by far the best running back in this class. Uh, but this year, people are forgetting how much of a workhorse Marlon Mack has been for the Colts over the last two years. He's only 24, by the way. You think that he's older, but he's still young. He's still got some potential. And in 2019, he got 247 carries, turned it into over 1,000 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. So he's been pretty productive for them. And it sounds like the Colts are planning on using him and Taylor in more of a 1-2 or even a 1-1, as they've called it, punch, uh, where they're about to split the carries. So I think there's a pretty good chance that that system kind of caps both of their fantasy values, especially for this year. But dynasty-wise, Jonathan Taylor is a must-have if you can get him wherever you're drafting. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally still like him. I um, like in the, For this year, Marlon Mack is a good running back. Don't get me wrong. I just see Jonathan Taylor, um, with who, who doesn't have injury concerns, coming in and, and fitting right in the system better than Mac has. And I think he'll start clicking well with uh, you know, a new Phillip Rivers and the rest of the offense by week eight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, no one on this team is really elite. T.Y. Hilton a couple of years ago may have fallen under that category, and he still has a chance to, j- to jump back into the top 20 for receivers, as you say that you think he will. Uh, but he is on the wrong side of 30 now. He's been dealing with some hamstring injuries for a couple of years now. I'm just not so sure he can put a full season together. Yeah, I mean, I I see him kind of like AJ Green. They've had some injury trouble. They're getting um, outside of possibly their prime of their career, but they're both getting new quarterbacks for this season, and they both could put up really high numbers. Just I don't know what what they have left in the tank. Absolutely, man. All right, well. There's only one way to find out. We'll have to wait till the regular season to see how this Colts team does. So why don't we move on to the second team in this division, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'll start off by talking about a few of their key additions. They brought in a big-name tight end in Tyler Eifert. He's very talented, but durability is obviously a concern. He's only played more than eight games in a season three times in his seven-year career. So whether he can actually stay healthy for this Jaguars team and be a reliable target target for Gardner Minshew is certainly a question. And then in the draft, I really like what they did in the second round, especially drafting LaVishka Chenault, the Colorado wide receiver. He's extremely versatile. The Jaguars plan to use him as a wide out in the slot, a tight end, and even in the backfield and wildcat formations. So when it comes to fantasy, he could be a guy uh, that as a rookie has more of an impact than you think. And, could end up being a pretty valuable player for them down the road. Trent, how do you feel about the rest of the Jaguars' acquisitions this offseason? You know, I'm a big fan of C.J. Henderson, a cornerback out of Florida. I think this is definitely the right uh, pickup for them, especially with losing uh, A.J. Bouye, uh, who is their say their, their, their star cornerback. Um, I mean, other than injury, a, a couple of injury concerns in college football for Henderson, he really put up a couple of great seasons at Florida. Uh, he's 6'1", 202 pounds, and he's going to slide right in to be their probably number one, number two cornerback. So for guys to make an immediate impact like that out of the draft, I think C.J. Henderson was the perfect pick for this team. 
Fair enough. And then, you know, we talked about their key additions, but it's just as important to talk about their key losses. And there were plenty for the Jaguars this year. They clearly had an agenda going into this offseason. Get rid of all their veterans who had bigger contracts and bring in the younger guys to start that rebuild. They traded Calais Campbell to the Ravens. They traded Nick Foles to the Bears. And as Trent mentioned, they traded A.J. Bouye to the Broncos. I do like the talent that they brought in to replace them, but you know, the Jaguars are in a weird situation where they were competing to make the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, and now they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with their key losses, and like you said, they're, they're going to rebuild. I don't mind who they moved. I mean, I think losing Clyde's Campbell is probably going to hurt them the most. Nick Foles had no place in their team. with uh, They have such a good quarterback in Gardner Minshew who I think is the future of this team. So I don't mind them moving them. And they replaced A.J. Bouye. So I don't think they lose that much uh, with who they traded away. Uh, and they also gained picks and such from, from those trades. So I don't think they can be hurt. They're building for the future. Yes, this may not be their year coming up, but um, they're definitely going to build this team to, to start making playoff runs in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think they could be a playoff contender like four or five years down the road if all of these draft picks and Gardner Minshew hit their potential. But for this season, why don't we just jump into the predictions real quick? I don't see them winning more than four games, which is going to be solid. They want to get uh, high draft picks, maybe players in free agency to pick up younger options. I just don't see this team being good at all this year. What about you? You know, I'm a little higher than you on the Jags. Uh, I see him as, as a six-win team. They could maybe squeeze seven. I'm a big fan of Minshew, and I think he has a great um, target to throw to in Shark. Um, if Fournette decides that he's going to play this season and, you know, the, the Jags and, and him figure out something with the contract, I mean, I don't see why this offense offense can't put up some big numbers. Uh, they, they lost some talent on defense, but they're still going to – I mean, be a decent team that can compete. I don't think they're going to be a team that rolls over or is tanking for anyone in particular. I think they're not worried about their quarterback situation. Ain't they like having Minshew? They feel confident with them. That's why they move Foles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this team's a little better than you advertise them as, um, but they're not a playoff team. That's fair. Yeah. And moving on to this team, uh, the fantasy assets on this team, as you mentioned, Leonard Fournette, I do believe that they've already expressed their intentions to let him walk in free agency next year. But that being said, it sounds like they're going to give him the ball till the wheels run off uh, this season. He's definitely going to have a chance to prove himself uh, to get a big contract with another team once free agency hits next year. He was RB7 in PPR leagues last year. He's a true workhorse. As long as he can stay healthy, he's an elite talent in this league. And you mentioned DJ Chark. He is a very underrated fantasy asset. Last year, he finished as wide receiver 17 in PPR leagues. He had 73 catches for 1,008 yards, eight touchdowns. He was uh, quietly Gardner Minshew's favorite target, and I think they have a great chance to build that rapport even more as the season goes on. Trent, how do you feel about the fantasy assets on this team? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think Chark is, is well underrated. Um, his pre-draft ranking is, is well below where it should be. Uh, Chark's got a lot of speed and a lot of explosiveness. He connected well with Minshew last year, even though it was Minshew's first season. Um, so, I mean, coming into the to the second season working with Minshew, I, I see them um, having a really strong connection. And Chark could, I mean, wide receiver 17 is pretty high. 
but he has the, the he has a high enough ceiling to do even better than that this season. Um, will he? Only time will tell. And then with Fournette, RB seven, like you said, he, he's a workhorse back, and he plows through people. He's like a I don't know, maybe a miniature Derrick Henry. I don't know, he's not really yeah, that I think smaller. that's fair. Yeah, I think that's but, fair. Um, he he does the same type of thing. He runs over the defenders and he, and he gets the ball a lot. So yeah. um, I could see I could see Fournette being a, he, he he has a ceiling to be a top five running back. Um, I think he's probably can't if he if he does play the season um, and they give him the ball a lot, like you said, I could see him being back in the RB seven eight area. Um, but I like the fantasy assets here. Absolutely, yeah. So moving on from the Jaguars. We're going to talk about a team that made a surprising playoff run last year, which is, of course, the Tennessee Titans. Looking at the key additions they made in free agency, there weren't really many to talk about. I do like that they brought in Isaiah Wilson, the Georgia offensive tackle, with their first-round pick. And then Vic Beasley, the former Falcons linebacker, was a pretty underrated signing. He's a key vet that has Super Bowl experience. Yeah, they obviously lost Logan Ryan. uh, and replaced that leadership with Vic Beasley in there. But other than that, they didn't make a lot of moves. They didn't lose a lot of people either, really only Delaney Walker, and he was getting old anyway. So they're pretty much uh, primed to repeat what they did last year. They obviously like the formula they have. They brought Ryan Tannehill back on a huge contract. They believe in their system. Trent, how do you think they're going to do this year? I mean, to talk about what they did this offseason a little bit, Isaiah Wilson is 6'7", 340 pounds. And if you watch some of the games last year, the holes that this this offensive line was creating for Derrick Henry was was already just massive. And he would just find these big holes and run right down the field. And I think adding a guy like Isaiah Wilson, he's gonna he's gonna they're gonna create even bigger holes. I don't know if that's possible, but I mean I think Derrick Henry is gonna keep running through people um, as long as he doesn't have many people that it's not as long as the the line isn't crowded. I mean. He's going to have another big year. Um, so I think Isaiah Wilson was the right guy to draft. And then Beasley, talk about Beasley a little bit. I mean, I think he is going to come into a leadership role. My only question mark there is, will he stay healthy? He seems to get hurt every every other season um, with a pretty serious injury. I think he hasn't played a, a, a full season in quite a long time. So I hope he gets to stay healthy, and I hope he is a leader on this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to make a prediction for their season, I do think they're going to be in contention to win this division. I'm not exactly sure they're going to actually win it. I would never put money on a team that's led by Ryan Tannehill to win their division as a uh, fan of an AFC East team. I've gotten to see how he works the last couple of years, but they have a lot of weapons. Obviously, Derek Henry is a force to be reckoned with. I think there is something to be said about defenses being able to prepare for him this year. Whether they'll actually be able to stop the human freight train that he is is questionable, but they're definitely going to know what's coming. Daniel is really only dangerous out of the play action. Uh, he's got some wheels. He's surprisingly mobile, but if you can force him to stay in the pocket and throw the ball, that's how you beat this Titans team. Yeah, I see the Titans being a nine-win team. I think they're going to be the last wild-card spot this year. I personally believe that this is Derrick Henry's team, even though they just gave this big contract to Ryan Tannehill. Not a big fan of his. Uh, never really did well uh, in the AFC East, in my opinion. Um, I think he will have to learn or 
just have the balls to throw the ball because A.J. Brown is such a good receiver that they need to utilize. They can't let that talent go to waste. Uh, I think we started to see flashes of, of his potential last season. And, I mean, I think uh, A.J. Brown's at a really high ceiling. So, uh, hopefully, Tannehill can get him involved this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to move into the fantasy assets on this team, we might as well start with A.J. Brown, who, as you mentioned, he's very efficient. Last year, he only saw about five targets per game, and somehow he turned that into 52 catches for over 1,000 yards. So he was one of the league leaders in yards after the catch. He's really explosive, very powerful, kind of a weird mix between Calvin Ridley and D.K. Metcalf, in my opinion, where he's got the speed and uh, touchdown red zone threat ability of Ridley and also the power of Metcalf. So like you said, I think his ceiling is incredibly high. Um, The question is whether Ryan Tannehill is going to throw the ball that much this year. Obviously, Derrick Henry finished his RB5 with the rushing title uh, leader last year. This is his team, as you said. He's obviously still trying to negotiate a contract with the Titans. Uh, They tagged him this offseason, and he's going to be looking for a huge payday next offseason. So this is still a pretty big year for him. But Trent, how do you feel about the fantasy assets on this team? You know, I think it's a a good mixture between guys that like Ryan Tannehill, who I don't think have a lot of value, and Derrick Henry, who could easily be the best running back this year. I mean, I know we have CMC, Saquon, Zeke, but I mean, Henry's going to have probably the biggest workload of any running back in the NFL um, rush, rush, rushing-wise. I mean, this probably doesn't get as many catches as guys like C-Mac. Um, but Henry's going to drive the ball right down the middle. He is a super large human. I got to watch him in the playoffs last year. And he's just a different beast than everyone else. He's a really hard guy to bring down. And then touched upon A.J. Brown. I think he's going to have a great year as long as Ryan Tannehill can get him the ball. Um, I think he's a really special talent, talent at the wide receiver position. I think you, you you said it perfectly. I mean, he's a good mixture between uh, DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley. He, he's that caliber player. Uh, I see him. I mean, he finished wide receiver 21 last year. His numbers can definitely go up from that. It just depends. All depends. Everything sits on Tannehill. I think this team's success actually sits on Tannehill's shoulders. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, before we move on to the fourth and final team in this division, I want to show some love to Johnny Smith, who uh, now he doesn't have to compete with Delaney Walker for touches out of the tight end position. He finished the tight end 20, really started to emerge last year. A.J. Brown can't be the only reliable target for Ryan Tannehill if this Titans team wants to make a splash in the playoffs this year. And I think this is a chance for Johnny Smith to really jump out and immerse himself as maybe even a potential top 10 fantasy tight end. Yeah, I mean, he just needs to convince Ryan Tannehill to actually throw him the ball and not hand it off. So um, I think Johnny Smith, like you said, has that potential, especially with Delaney Walker gone. Um, to make a big impact on this team and and could be a top 10 tight end if he gets the targets. Absolutely. All right. Why don't we move on to the fourth and final team in this division, which is, of course, the Houston Texans. Looking at their key additions, I want to touch on their receiving core. I know Trent loves David Johnson, so I'll leave Johnson for him. Uh, but looking at the receiving core, they obviously brought in Brandon Cooks. They traded for him from the Rams, and then they signed Randall Cobb to a three-year, $27 million deal. Just to start with Cobb and touch on them really quickly, 
I thought this contract was much more than he deserved. He's only had one season with over a thousand receiving yards, but at the same time, I do understand why they did it, and maybe they had to pay him this money in order to ensure that they could get him this this off season. And the reason that they did it, they shelled out all this cast, is he's much more of a reliable receiver than both Cooks and Fuller are. And while Cooks and Fuller are far more talented than Randall Cobb. Cobb is a guy that's going to play 13, 14, 15 games every year. He's much more reliable. He's not injury prone. He's going to be a target that Deshaun Watson can rely upon. And then moving on to Brandon Cooks, um, a lot of people like to highlight last year uh, and say that Cooks doesn't have the talent anymore and he's lost it. But, you know, prior to this this past season, he put together five straight 1,000-yard seasons there are obviously durability concerns, but if he can stay on the field, he has an opportunity to have a huge year, arguably the best year of his career with Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. Trent, what do you think about the moves that the Texans made this offseason? I, I love him. Especially, I mean, offensively, they lost DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm sure we'll get more into that um, in a couple minutes. But who they at least added, Brandon Cooks, like you said, probably can have the best season of his career this year if he can stay healthy. I mean, he's going to have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's going to be his number one target. He couldn't ask for a better scenario there. I think Randall Cobb, he was great on the Packers. He started to show flashes of of old when he was on the Cowboys, and he's going to get a lot of targets here with uh, DeAndre Hopkins gone and, and have Watson at his quarterback. I think Cooks and Cobb are going to be a good combo on this team. And finally, I mean, David Johnson. This guy is unbelievable. I mean, I wish his injury never happened a couple of years back. He came in his rookie year, put up some serious numbers, was a, was a PPR monster in fantasy. That injury happened. He lost some of his explosiveness. But I still think, talent-wise, he's still one of the best guys in the NFL. He kind of got overshadowed last year by Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake is now going to be the, their guy for the Cardinals. And I think David Johnson's going to come in. Doesn't have much competition at this position. Shouldn't be a problem getting a lot of touches. And when Watson's in trouble, he can dish it down to David Johnson and let him do his thing. Um, I think David Johnson could have a really big year this year. Uh, wasn't Probably wasn't all of what they should have gotten for Hopkins. I mean, they got some draft picks in there too, but uh, he'll have to do for this team. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when they saw the trade details for DeAndre Hawkins, uh, they saw David Johnson and the albatross that is his contract, and they saw it as a loss. Whereas, you know, Trent and I, we both saw that as a huge win for the Texans because David Johnson, you know, he was putting together a pretty nice season last year, and then after week six, he never received more than five carries in a game. The entire situation is a mystery, and neither Cliff Kingsbury or anyone in the Arizona front office is willing to talk about it. David Johnson isn't really sure what happened. He's expressed his confusion over the entire situation, but you know he's in a better situation now in Houston. Bill O'Brien has come out and said that he believes Johnson can be a three-down back, so we know he's going to get the touches. He's got a chance to prove that he can still be a dominant running back in this game. And then, you know... It was inevitable, but we have to talk about the trade of DeAndre Hopkins. Man, Bill O'Brien is an idiot. This dude, I don't know how he is still running an NFL team after the trade that he made 
sending DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. I just, I can't really talk about it because it makes me so mad. When you have a receiver in their prime at 27 years of age, like DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best in the game. I mean, he came out earlier today and said that he believes he's the best in the game and he's got some points to back it up. You do not move him no matter what. I don't care if you were having a contract dispute. At the end of the day, sometimes you have to give in to your players and give them what they want to stick around, like how Jerry Jones and the Cowboys operate. Amari Cooper wasn't deserving of the huge extension he got this offseason, but as an owner and a GM, sometimes you have to be a little flexible and give your players what they want in order to really compete for a playoff spot. I mean, look at the Texans. A lot of people don't view them as true contenders, but this was a team that was up by multiple touchdowns on the Chiefs in a playoff game last season, and then they choked it away. And what did Bill O'Brien think? He saw that and said, you know what? I don't think we have what it takes to win this uh, to win this division, to make a serious playoff push. So I'm just going to move our best player and one of the best receivers in NFL history. It, it just makes me mad, Trent. Yeah, it was definitely a sterling move that, that no one saw coming. It was, I thought it was fake when I saw it. It was like there's no way the Texans just moved arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL and got only what they got in return. Um, yeah, it's it's still shocking. Um, they broke up one of the best duos or young duos in the NFL with Hopkins and Watson. Uh, Watson had, had to be fuming after that. I mean, taking away his best target and arguably one of the best guys in the NFL. I mean, that, that's that's not a good move for, to to make your franchise quarterback happy. I mean, it was just a lot of question marks with what what they did there. Absolutely. I mean, especially such a weird move to make when you're trying to make your franchise quarterback happy when he's due for an extension the next offseason. Just kind of dumbfounding to me. Like, what was Bill O'Brien thinking? But we've talked about this DeAndre Hopkins situation for too long he's not even on the Texans anymore so why don't we move into the fantasy assets on this team and we'll start with Deshaun Watson because we talked about him a little bit he is an elite talent in this league when he's healthy he's so dynamic whether whether it's through the passing game or scrambling he finished his QB5 last year he's got elite potential he could easily be an MVP in this league whether it's this year or in the next few years he's a franchise cornerstone the Texans would be stupid to let him go, although it's leaning towards uh, seeming like that could eventually happen with Bill O'Brien running this team. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Watson this year. I know Trent is higher on him than he is on Dak, which I think is ridiculous, but I'll pass it to you now, Trent. How do you feel about the fantasy assets on this team? You know, I think there, there's a lot of them, and they all have a lot more potential than than, than most I mean, Watson def it was QB five last year, and I think he, he could continue being a top five quarterback this year, even though he lost Hopkins. He's really he's really good on his feet. He moves well. Remember that play last year in the playoffs where he got like, oh maybe it wasn't the playoffs, but he got kicked in the face and still fo- found a way to get the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. Like the guy makes plays happen. He's a playmaker uh, with his hands and, and on his feet. He'll make sure to you know get that first down or get that touchdown. So I love Watson. David Johnson, I mean, he's got a really high ceiling on this team. He could see a lot of touches. Uh, could be a really good PPR asset. Definitely could see him, um, you know, being a top 10 running back this year. Brandon Cooks could have the best um, year of his career, as we, as we mentioned earlier. 
I mean, he's being in the put in the right position to succeed. So I'm, I'm a big fan of drafting Cooks, especially where he's at. I mean, he's in like the 90s for pre-draft PPR rankings, which I, I find absurd for a guy who I think could be a top 25 wide receiver this year. And then finally, Will Fuller. I mean, he's got a lot of speed. Um, I think he'll definitely come up on those wide, wide receiver 53 numbers if he can stay healthy. Um, he's more of a big play guy, not going to be your consistent week-to-week uh, 15-point player. Uh, but if you're looking for a guy to plug in and, and possibly go off for 30 points, I mean, he's the right guy for the job. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't really touched on Will Fuller uh, besides what you just said, but he has a real chance to take a huge step this year. He is one of Sean Watson's favorite targets, but the problem is that he can never stay healthy. He's had his fair share of pretty serious knee injuries, hamstring injuries. His legs just seem to give out on him at some point every year, whether that's just the sheer speed and power that he runs and play with plays with. I don't know, but if he can stay healthy, stay on the field for the entire year, he has a shot to be a dark horse for a top 20 or maybe even a top 15 fantasy wide receiver if he ends up being Watson's number one target instead of Cooks. So now that we've talked about all four teams in this division, we're going to move on to rapid fire. You all know how this segment works. I'm going to ask Trent a series of questions, which he must answer off the top of his head while giving a very brief description, backing up his answer if he chooses to. After each of his answers, I will respond in the same rapid-fire manner with my own predictions. So, Trent, are you ready for the first question? Let's do it. Who is the best off-season pickup in this division? I'm going to go with David Johnson. I mean, they, the Texans lost their best player, but they also had the biggest pickup, so I'm going to go with Johnson. I'm going to go with Brandon Cooks just because I think that he's going to be a bigger player for the uh, Texans this year. But Johnson, you know, I love him too. Okay. What was the best draft pick made out of these four teams? I'm a big fan of CJ Henderson. I think he uh, got drafted in the right place uh, at around the ninth, ninth pick. And he's filling the big void on that Jaguars team after they moved AJ Boye. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor just because of his sheer potential to be an absolute dominant workhorse back for them over the next couple of years. Who's going to have a better fantasy season, Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller? I'm going to say definitely Cooks. We're, we've talked pretty highly on him. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you. Unless Cooks is injured, I think that he definitely has a better chance. Will Derrick Henry finish as a top five fantasy running back? No, this, this is a tough one for me. Um, there's a lot of good running backs this year that are getting are getting drafted above him. I'll go out there and I'll, I, I'll say yes. I think he will be a top five fantasy running back this year. Fair enough. I'm actually going to say no. And you look at the top five fantasy running backs last year, you had guys like Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler in PPR leagues, who I don't think will be in that top five this year, given their current situations. But you have guys that had somewhat of down years last year, like Kamara, Saquon, Dalvin Cook. I think all of them are primed to have bigger seasons than Derrick Henry just because, you know, they're a little more explosive, they get more involved out of the passing game, etc. Okay. What will be the best team in this division in three years? I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Wow. Um, I think they're going to continue to build around what they have on offense right now. I think they, have a, they already have a solid defense, even though they traded some of their vets away. They're young. 
But in three years, I think they'll really start to develop. I don't know where the Texans are going to be at in three years. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to be very good in three years. So for me, I think the best team in this division in three years is, is, is going to be the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, if I had to be honest with you, I think all of these teams are going to be pretty bad in three years because I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be with the Texans anymore. And I'm not as high on the Jaguars as you are. So, yeah. Will Deshaun Watson, speaking of him, be on the Texans this time next year? I'm going to say yes. I don't think he's leaving. Um, I mean, there's definitely a chance he is. Uh, but if if he connects well with what they brought in, brought in for him this year, I'd say he definitely stays and sticks, sticks around. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reasonable chance that the Texans offer him a contract that's way too big for him to pass up. I think he'll be there this year. What is A.J. Brown's fantasy ceiling this year? You know, I mean, I think his ceiling can be as high as 15, a, a top 15 uh, wide receiver. I mean, if Ryan Tannehill actually throws the ball, and maybe that means Derrick Henry's numbers go down a little bit because he doesn't um, get as many rushing plays, I could see A.J. Brown seeing a lot of targets and um, turn those into some pretty big numbers. So I'm going to go wide receiver 15 is his ceiling. Fair enough. I agree with you there. Actually, I was going to say a top 15 wide receiver too. Okay. Will Ryan Tannehill be worth the big extension he received from the Titans? Hell no. Can't disagree with you. <laughs> or, or, yeah, I can't disagree with you there. He's, uh, he's definitely one of the more overrated players in the NFL coming from two Pats fans. Does Jonathan Taylor have legitimate fantasy value this season? I think so. I think he's going to get some touches and um, is definitely a suitable flex. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was a flex option as be- at best this year because I do think Marlon Mack's still going to have a chance to be the number one guy in this offense, at least for a few weeks. How many teams will make the playoffs from this division? I'm going to go with two. I think the Texans win the division and uh, – um, oh, and I think the Titans will sneak in with the last wild card spot. Yeah, I'm going to go with one, honestly. I think the Texans do win this division, and I'm just not sold on the Titans making the playoffs this year. I think they could easily be more around 500 and lose that wild card spot to another team. And finally, as always, will one of these teams win the Super Bowl in the next three years? Yeah, I think so. Who? My prediction is that um, the Texans do well this year. Watson sticks around. David Johnson comes back into his uh, old self, and they really start to click, and I could see the Texans winning within the next three years. Wow. That's bold. I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. I think they can make a pretty deep playoff run, but I don't know about that. Well, all right, guys. That's a wrap on Episode 7 of The Rollout. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll be back Monday to finish out this series with the AFC West. Stay safe out there, everyone.